0: So welcome back to Be Imbration. Hello everyone. And we've got Debs here um, on the top. And we've got Amra down here. Hi. <laughs> and we are very excited to be talking about the topic of family today. Before I get into that, I just want to say a big thank you from me and the girls for taking part in our media representation, Insta Live. We all hope you liked it. And thank you so much to the people who made it there live. And thank you for the people who are watching it. Please do send us comments. We had so much fun and we would like to do it again. So yeah, for today, we are getting into the topic of family. And the first question I'm going to pose to the girls, could you tell us the story of how your parents made it to the
1: UK? So my parents actually have an unusual story because a lot of people, when they meet me, they say, where did your parents meet? And actually they met in the UK. Back then when they met, it wasn't very common for, I suppose, Thai people to meet in the UK. So basically my mum, she had been like a sort of housewife or house, not housewife, but housemaid, helping out a really rich lady in Thailand and she came over with a group of women that were sort of all helping this lady. And they were actually based in, I think, around Kingston, which was yeah, a really lovely area, as, as you probably know. And they lived there. And my mum sort of helped around the house, that sort of thing, and helped her and cooked and that sort of thing. And then my dad had come I think he had come because he wanted to just find some work in the UK. He didn't finish school, my dad. So he kind of got to the age of about, I think, 16 or something like that, 17. And he thought, you know what, I want to go to the UK. So he came over and the first place he ended up in was Wales, which is really Mm -hmm. random. He told me that he ended up in Wales and he didn't know very much sort of English or, you know, it was all kind of new to him. And then He ended up in London after getting some opportunity working. He worked a couple of jobs as a waiter initially in some different places. My mum, when she came over, she started off in that rich lady's house. And then basically my parents met at the Thai Temple, which was in Wimbledon. That's how they met. And when they met, they basically got married quite quickly. And what happened was my mum ended up working different jobs. She worked, I think, in a hotel doing like sort of like a housemaid, doing morning service. My dad worked in in a restaurant sort of waitering. And then he went into, he became a chef after that and then worked in a hotel. So they all had kind of very different paths and they met in really different, like it wasn't the usual way that they would meet. And I always get surprised when I hear about how my mum and dad met, because I always think, wow, I didn't think they would meet in the UK. I think they would have met in Thailand. So it's always a really nice story when I tell people like actually they met here. Yeah, it was a really lovely story. So they tell me that it was really nice that they met here and they met at the temple. It was meant to be. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Dev, uh, you and your mum?
2: It's actually interesting because I, obviously I, we know Amra, but that's the first time I heard that, that her parents met in the UK. And it's interesting because it's similar to my parents' story. So my mum, she's the eldest of five siblings, she was very much like the breadwinner growing up and she just kind of wanted to get away from it all. So once there was some level of independence, she decided to come to the UK to study. But I think she just wanted to get away from the family and career. And she was in her early thirties. This was like the early mid eighties and she met my dad here. So similar to Amra's parents, my parents are both Christians and they met on this like biblical course <laughs> and so religion brought them together um and much like I think any relationship in that era you know you don't date multiple people you don't date for a long period of time you don't cohabit you know you date for a while and if you think that they're the one you just marry so th- I think they've been dating for like a couple of months and then decided to marry. So that happened really quickly. And then I was born after that. And because of me, they basically decided to stay in the UK but just to backtrack a little bit my mum had an agriculture degree from korea so she was well educated and she's an intelligent woman but obviously english isn't her first language so when she came to the uk she didn't really know how to speak english that well and my dad was just one of those people that had a lot of ambitions but you know with with these dreams and goals you always have to put your money where your mouth is and he unfortunately wasn't that person So I briefly mentioned it in one of our previous recordings, but around the age of two, my dad left us, both of us, and he just upped and left one day without telling my mum. And it got to the point where my mum basically cutting a really long story down, but she basically reported it to Interpol. She didn't know what was wrong. She didn't know where he'd gone. She didn't know if he was alive or dead. And uh, he'd basically gone off to America by himself. So it was really a struggle for my mom because, you know, she couldn't speak English. Her degree meant nothing here. She was left with a two-year-old baby on her hands as a single parent in a foreign country. And so she ended up, you know, being a cleaner. She, I remember, was like a helper for a Jewish family at one point. And she had to just do all these like different tasks just so that she could survive, just so that we weren't left homeless on the street and only years 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 later of hard work and saving and she managed to get into like a carer role but yeah that was like the initial I guess journey of my mum into this country so yeah it was a a tough a tough journey for her
0: yeah but I mean you know she's raised a strong amazing woman and I think that's testament to thank a strong you. amazing mum so yeah.
2: thank you so much <laughs>
0: absolutely absolutely well in terms of my parents it kind of starts with my mum as well and my parents met when they were very little so they did meet in the Philippines and they knew each other from a long time ago like there's stories of my dad like would literally be pulling you know my mum's pigtails and stuff when they were that that young they knew each other um as children they they got together late teens mid-20s and my Dad was in the army. That's that's kind of his profession in the the Philippines. And my mum was a student and came from a a big family of brothers and sisters. So did my dad, actually. She was the oldest sister, which, you know, uh, we all know as being the 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 oldest girls in our families. You know, there's like a pressure to be the first. You you know, a lot is invested in that first child. And well certainly for my mum she was kind of like a second mother well with lots of kind of younger siblings and education was a way out for her when she tells me the story of moving to England I think she says that kind of like around 16 college age there was like a a program through the college where you could I think BA was offering something where you could kind of get a ticket and pay for it later you know you Mm. kind of yeah really when she told me I was like oh you wouldn't get that today. <laughs> um, but I think it was like when they were encouraging immigration. And um, yeah, she, she, she begged her mum. She was like, oh, I, you know, it'd be great for me to go to the UK. And like many immigrant families, you go to a, a Western country. So you, hopefully you can get a, a good job. Or certainly the pound goes far further when you start, send the money home. And um, she begged her mum. And her mum, you know, no, you're my oldest daughter. You're staying here. Try one. No, like she didn't get to go then and then she kind of waited a couple more years and again that that same kind of opportunity came up and she was very close to kind of getting a visa but you needed someone to speak for you and obviously she was kind of like this late teens early 20s and didn't have those kind of connections and I think when she couldn't go to the UK the first time she's like oh I tried to go to America and similar thing tried to get this airplane ticket couldn't get it and I was like oh okay thought it dream third time lucky. She ends up marrying my dad in the Philippines. And because he was in the army, he knew somebody official who was able to speak on her behalf. And similar to you, Amra, she was um, kind of a a domestic support for a well-to-do kind of like diplomat who really liked my mum and helped her get her visa so she could come over when that family then moved to the UK in Surrey. It sounded like it was like a really nice opportunity. They sounded like they were a nice family, but I came along (laughs) and thwarted it all. (laughs) And sadly, um, obviously they couldn't have the help with a little baby. So she... Through the network, the network that you kind of find when you come to a new country, she contacted either kind of friends from home or friends that she'd made here. And they were, I think, in a nursing college. So then she moved from Guildford, Surrey to London. And there was a nursing college where she was able to, not not nursing, but kind of hospital assistant. Um, and because there were so many women at the time, they could help with the childcare. But obviously I was getting older. And again, that couldn't last for long. So my dad was able to come over and then that's how they made their lives here. When he came, similar, he went into the kind of, the, he was in the catering industry, I believe. He worked in a, a hotel and then he found stability being a caretaker In one of the London boroughs, and that was the job that he had until he retired. And my mum then moved on to working in the Royal Mail, and again she was in that job until she retired. And I think it kind of says a lot about them and their immigration story that you know they came here to build their family, to have a a better life, and that meant maybe sacrificing what their ambitions or their goals were to raise me and my my three younger brothers. And, And that's obviously something I'll always forever be grateful for and it was really nice um, when my mum was telling me that story um, because yeah I got to see her recently in the garden and that was so nice and yeah crazy that like again at this age I'm only finding out like the the details of it but uh, really lovely to kind of hear how they got here and how I'm here. (laughs) The next question that we have is is your experience of growing up Asian with an Asian parent and family in a western world. Amra do you want to tell us how that was for you?
1: So Yeah, that's, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you don't really, it's funny, growing up, you don't really notice that you're like, I think this links to kind of stuff we spoke about in the past, that you're from an Asian family, per se, until you start to do things in the outside world, such as go to school, or, you know, we talked about packed lunches in previous episodes, that you start to really notice that you are from an Asian family. And you then start to notice culturally as well, that do things that are a lot different to other families so some of your friends that you might visit when you're growing up i remember they would come over and they would see that i would take my shoes off before Mm i go come into my house and they go why do you take your shoes off and i'd say that's a thai culture thing we take our shoes off we don't like to walk around in the house with our shoes on and just little things like that where i would really notice that we had these little things that we would do we moved around a lot when i was young so every time we moved house we would get the monks to come and bless the house Mm -hmm. so that's part of the cultural side and the the sort of side that my mum and dad would bring a lot of that they would really push I would feel it a lot more especially when I was younger than I am now because I think now I'm a lot more embedded in the western culture and the western ways but growing up when I was young like my mum mum and dad really tried to sort of keep me very Thai. Like they really wanted me to keep my Thai roots. So Mm. it was it was very much like, okay, you're born here, but there are a lot of things that we want you to continue and maintain. One of the things they did when I was young was they sent me to Thai school, which is something I've mentioned in the past, but they they sent me to learn Thai when I was really small because they didn't want me to forget because part of Thai school is the monks teach you Thai. And part of that is also involving chanting and religion so the Buddhist side of it was always embedded in that the teaching and the and the learning tie was a part of that so I I think I always realized wow you know I'm when I'm at school you know I'm Buddhist as well I'm not just you know I'm not just someone that goes to school and I'm British I think the identity and my identity comes from my family it 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 stems from my family and As I've gotten older, I've really appreciated that. The fact that I I am bilingual and I can speak two languages. I don't take that for granted anymore. Like I used to think, oh, why would I have to go? And I don't really want to go. And I don't want to study, you know, Thai. And why? I live in England. I don't use the language. But then when I go to Thailand, I get to use it. I get to speak to my cousins. I get to speak to my, my aunts, my uncles, and I can communicate with them. Whereas I feel that if I just spoke English, they wouldn't be able to really understand me yeah. and and actually that's another thing like when you go abroad and you take that with you when you go back to your country like when I go back to Thailand I still feel it's so weird but like I always say I straddle but I feel like I'm British and Thai even though my family have taught me to be very Thai I still feel like they don't really get me when I'm in Thailand they still think I'm British right. um, just they can tell by the mannerisms the way mm-hmm. I talk and everything else but and I'm digressing a bit, but in terms of family, I'm much more attuned to that now and what, what I've learned as I've gotten older. And I definitely feel like I'm embracing that more now. And that's why I'm so pleased we created this channel because this is like a chance for me to kind of get in touch again with who I am and my identity as someone who is Issa and you know, someone who is of that Thai heritage. I feel really proud now that I've got all that, within
0: me
1: mm. oh yeah sorry so such a long answer but- no yeah. no
0: it's a great answer it's yeah. a great answer And death.
2: um so I don't really know where to start so with growing up with my mum it was it was tricky on many different levels I think what didn't help is the area I grew up in was quite I wouldn't say an affluent area but everyone was very quite comfortable financially it was very much that nuclear family that traditional family ideal you know template really and uh, obviously like I said before there wasn't hardly any EC people in my neighborhood like I was pretty much the only one obviously my school as well so imagine you know I have a I'm EC myself I have an EC mum she's single parent we were probably a lot l- less well off than a lot of people of you know a lot a lot less well off than my peers at school and you know the fact that my mum's first language wasn't english so there were so many different elements of it because you know even with things like parents evening there were times where I'd have to translate for my mom, And, you know, I'm sure a lot of my peers couldn't relate to that. So, you know, she would understand the basic stuff. But then if, say, the teacher gave feedback on something really specific, she would turn to me and say, oh, what does that mean? Or yeah. well, Can you explain? And I have to, like, literally translate on the spot. But that wasn't just at school. That was obviously throughout our lives. And I think Amra and I was talking about this before, where we had so many kind of hats on Um, for our parents and it was like having to be the lawyer for my mom it was having to be like the official complainer for my mom it was the official letter writer for everything when she eventually became a nurse I was checking her dissertations and I was like in high school college and that's the last thing you want you know as a teenager all those extra responsibilities but being an only child being you know a child of uh, a parent whose second language was English you just had to take on those responsibilities you didn't have a choice In line with that, there was obviously the element of going to churches as well. So Amro obviously spoke about religion and, you know, in, in, Korea, I'm not sure if a lot of people know South Korea, the number one religion is Christianity. And so that's very much ingrained into Korean culture for a majority of people. Otherwise, the second religion is Buddhism. So growing up, I had to attend church. Again, I didn't have a choice on it. And so, again, that was just another thing to set me apart from other people. So, whereas other kids would be like, yes, weekend, I was like, yes, Sunday school. (laughs) Uh, So that was like another thing that made me stand out. And I think, like growing up, There were times, and I'll be completely honest, like I did resent that. And there were times where I did feel embarrassed of my mum and I felt embarrassed of so many different things, which I now feel ashamed of as an adult. But... You know, when we were talking about Minari yesterday with our IG Live and, you know, there were clips of them going to church. Yeah. So there were so many different things that I could relate to. So that was really interesting, uh, church church life. But when Amra talked about going to Thai school, that's the one thing, ironically, that my mum didn't send me to, Korean school. It's not that she didn't value, you know, the Korean language or me learning it, but she, she kind of taught me casually at home just through our conversations. But... For her, from a Korean perspective, it was more important that I really emphasized my attention and focus around studies. And it comes back to that Asian tiger Month thing where it was all about study, study, study. And that's where we, I'll go more into it later on, but that's kind of where we ward a lot, shall we say. So I wanted to be out playing with my friends and they'll be like, let's go out and play, come out, let's come out, come, come out play. No, sorry, I've got a piano lesson. Then the next day or the following week, is like, Debs, come out, let's play, let's get an ice cream. Uh, I've got a a mass tutor coming around. And then on a Saturday, Debs, do you want to come over for um, our party? Oh, no, I've got a ballet lesson. And so there were just so many different things at the time, which I now appreciate, but I really resented. And I felt like it just made me stand out so much versus the other kids. But yeah, that was like, I guess that was the the conflict growing (laughs)
1: up. We can relate to that. Mm-hmm.
0: I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> absolutely. Well, yeah. So my growing up, I will always say I'm not a typical Filipino. My mum moved here. Um, she had like a small community of Filipinas that she knew, and my dad obviously working in the catering industry. But when they decided to kind of like build the family, have my brothers, they moved just kind of out of central London out to the kind of the burbs. And like you both say kind of like education is such kind of a value placed on that. And I've said kind of previously, my parents were, you know, when I was very young, were tag teaming all the time. My mum would do the night shift in the in the post office, my dad would do the days doing caretaking and it was literally like canning us off picking us up from school but the one thing that kind of really they ingrained in us and instilled in us was education and for my parents i would say i've always thought they were really articulate if maybe you were to meet them today you would think gosh that's a really thick accent but in terms of me you know knowing my parents i'm like they didn't struggle like with the language like i've said in the past i don't speak tagalog and though it was it was absolutely said in my house um, daily wasn't something that I was taught and I, and I feel that disconnect from my culture and again uh, echoing what you said Amra like that's kind of like I'm so excited to be part of being Brasian because we get to explore our culture we get to you know put a magnifying glass against them and talk to our parents as adults and get to dissect things and yeah in terms of kind of growing up there was a, a strong place of learning constantly my dad would be like he would look at my homework and be like we did this in elementary school and like I'm doing stuff at like the beginning, secondary. <laughs> um, so it was all like a comparison. And as you were saying, Deb's like your mom had a degree in agriculture. Like our parents had these lives before we came. here. They had worked really hard themselves. They were educated and they come to a different country. And I can't even imagine going to a different country. Like it would be like myself uprooting myself and going to, you know, Kazakhstan and, and trying to build a life for yourself. And I just think they're all such heroes growing up there was always that awareness that yeah when you come into the home that's your Filipino life and very often I would hear the phrase I'm not your friend I'm your parent you know like I would see how some children would interact with their parents and that kind of like jovial tat-aware. and I just I couldn't imagine ever speaking to my parents that way you know they were just very much mum and dad or inay and tatai which is it's mum and dad in Tagalog and yeah, within the home, there was the Filipino, and then there was going out and the conflict of... I had friends that I would kind of like play out with, them, but, you know, there was curfews. And again, I was the first daughter, so I, I'm sure they were far stricter on me. And then there were my brothers. In fact, I know that they were. <laughs> so growing up, there was a, there was a lot of um, kind of expectation, and I think... Uh, I, you know, I can only speak from my experience of the Filipino community, but there's always kind of this really being proud of like, oh, your, your children's achievements, you know, you've worked hard and this is what your kid is the, the top of the class or they can play the guitar or they can do this. And at the end of the day, you kind of just want someone who maybe you can have like Friday popcorn nights with as opposed to, you know, being this this uh, child who has to live up to these expectations. But yeah, growing up, I, I empathise with both of you in terms of having that, life inside your home which is trying to keep your culture but then yeah the 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 conflict that might might arise because you're going out with your friends and they might have you know things that are more acceptable to them to them than it is for you so yeah that was my experience growing up the last question we have how was your relationship with your parents growing up and how is it compared to now
1: Hmm. (laughs) it's a really good question I feel as though I understand my parents better now than I did when I was young. I think I always felt like I was right. (laughs) I have a brother and he's nine years younger than I am. And there was a lot of responsibility on me, a bit like what Deborah said. She had classes and stuff to do after school. I had to look after my brother after school because he was so much younger than me. And so I became his sort of mum almost. It was kind of a strange sort of set up but I almost sort of resented my parents a little bit for that growing up because I felt like I, I lost a lot of my childhood by not being able to do all the things that everyone was doing basically that I would have done at my age growing up so I grew up really quickly so from the age of about nine when my brother came along to about 18 I think I, I really had to step up and I think it was quite a strange relationship because I felt like my parents They had a lot of high expectations for me. We talk about high expectations, but being the oldest and they always thought that I would do well at school and they never really, I guess the expectation of me was that they never really kind of checked my work or they never, because they always thought, oh, she's going to do well because they kind of expected it. And with that comes a lot of pressure, I think, growing up because I was like, oh, you know, I have to, I have to be this person that they want me to be, which is, perfect in every way you know good at everything good at everything every subject like I think my parents didn't really go well done you've done really well I never got a lot of that growing up so I found that quite hard because I felt like being the oldest you're just expected to to do everything and know everything yeah Um, and like the responsibilities going back to what Deborah said I had to help my mum a lot exactly the same things, translating, all those things. I felt a lot of pressure and then as I, as I got older and now that I've seen them, sort of my relationship with my parents is definitely better than it used to be. Not that we never got on or I didn't love my parents but it just feels like I understand, especially everything now that I know that when I talk about you know the, what you said, Tracy, about their, their real story about how they got here, the struggles that they faced, now that I know that, and I am older, and I can appreciate that struggle, and, and especially watching movies like Min- Minari, and mm. it, it just makes me, I mean, I was crying watching that movie because <laughs> it just made me think about the struggles that my mum and dad had coming here and all the things they had to face. And so to answer your question, i probably say that my relationship with my mum and dad is probably a lot better now than it was when I was younger because I I think I truly now appreciate what they've had to go through to get to where they are today and my parents weren't actually you're very lucky both I mean my parents weren't educated so they relied on me to kind of be the one that would do really well at school because they didn't do very well at school and that was quite a pressure on me because I felt like I had to do really well (laughs) no matter what I did so I think I've grown up with this sort of I've got to be perfect I have this sort of of perfectionist idea of how I should be now so I'm very hard on myself now that I'm older and that's something that's something that's just embedded in me from when I was a child but now I think like I said sorry I do appreciate my parents a lot more than I did when I was young definitely yeah thanks
2: great yeah yeah again can relate to so much to what Amra said you said it was different because my parent was my mom was educated but it did like i said earlier it didn't really make a difference huh. in this country yeah. Yeah. so it, yeah, does, it doesn't make yeah go. and it didn't make a difference in terms of the pressure or her expectations on me and obviously you've both spoken about being the eldest but i was the only child so yeah. i've really felt the pressure of being an only child because i think in the uk there's this weird assumption that if you're an only child you're spoiled, but the flip side of that, and my experience is there is no sibling who's the trouble kid or someone to fall back on. I would have yeah. quite happily been the rebel sibling, but because you're the only child. Yeah all of that expectation, all of that pressure, all of that responsibility was on my shoulders. Yeah. And I definitely felt it growing up. I still do from time to time. And I think some of my Western friends don't really get it. They often have said to me, but why do you need to do that? But do you really still need to do that? And I'm like, you don't get it. It's no. like the culture. We we just do it. We don't question it. It's, it's in the same way, like it's kind of like our love for our parents really and our respect for them. It's also the culture. But growing up, my mom, like I said, I've kind of given snippets before, but she was very much like very strict mum. Yeah. And I think to know my grandfather is to know my mum. My grandfather was a very strict man. My mum's dad, he didn't really know how to express himself emotionally. And, you know, at the time they, my grandparents lived through the Japanese invasion over Japanese rule. So they lived in a very, very tough time and it was about survival. And then with my mum, it was about survival, not only in Korea, but also here in the UK, but in a different way as a single parent. And so my mum was just always busy working as a single parent. She didn't want to rely on the government. She's very proud and she just worked hard all her life. But those long hours, those long shifts as a carer, as a nurse, eventually when she became a nurse, it meant I barely saw my mum. And obviously those sort of things, it doesn't lend to developing a relationship. There's no picnic dates. There's no like, I mean, obviously she would take me to the cinema and stuff like that, but it, we didn't have that kind of relationship kind of like what Amra was saying. Yeah. And cause she was focusing so much on study, used to irritate me. I felt so much pressure. I felt like I couldn't be a normal kid, if that makes sense. But as I've grown up, like Amra said, you just learn to appreciate the fact that you speak two languages. And so I got to, I learned Korean, I realised how much of my mum's sacrifice was in there, and even with the ballet classes that I used to resent, she used to take me to opera, she used to take me to Sadler Wells Theatre so that I could be more cultured and have an experience of that, to see that world. Even if she didn't have the means to do it, she saved and she took me there. And it's only things that I feel so thankful for now. It's only really university days that I think our relationship really changed, because she I don't know she just softened (laughs) something happened to her she turned into a marshmallow so (laughs) went from pineapple to marshmallow and I just I will never forget the day that she dropped me at university after dropping me off and all my stuff and she said I've got one thing to say to you and I was like yeah I know study hard you know like it was like already programmed into my head and she said no just have fun and I remember just being really taken back by that and being like oh is this coming from my mum are you feeling okay have you had a drink (laughs) and since then like our relationship has really improved like I've developed confidence in speaking to my mum kind of like what you said Tracy as an adult as an ally as I don't know she she definitely respects what I say now I used to I really struggled with that whole child parent thing for many years and you listen to what I say and what I say is is Mm -hmm. the end it's a law full stop but you know at some point probably like late 20s, more early 30 onwards. So not that long ago, um, (laughs) she started listening to me more and really respecting what I take on. And, you know, I'd say, mum, maybe in Korea, that's okay, But, you know, there's certain things that you just can't do here because it's kind of offensive. Now we're at that point where we do have a friendship kind of relationship where she respects what I say because she knows that it's coming from a place of love and not a place of trying to tell her what to do as her daughter we have such a like a jokey relationship a bantery relationship and it's almost like kind of a bit like you Tracy in kind of finding about my mum's personality in my later years like before she was just like my mom she was just strict mum. and as I get older I find out about what she was like as a child what and she was very cheeky by the way now I know who I take <laughs> after when I when I love pranking people so that's my mum that's her right that's her DNA right there um but she's a hoot and she's like a no-nonsense woman but she's also got the biggest heart and she just loves hard forgives hard but also doesn't take any crap from people and we have just like the best relationship now so um I wouldn't ha- change it so
1: so it sounds like you're describing yourself, Deborah. Yeah, I was going to say, should that not yeah <laughs> Sounds like someone well. we know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, literally, my mum is more obsessed with April's Fool's Day than I am. Like, no one cares anymore. That's her <laughs> 90s. And my mum this year on the phone from Korea was like, what are you going to prank Thomas with this year? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs>
0: Giving me I
1: love ideas. She so <laughs> sounds very mischievous, your mum. Yeah, she is a little bit. <laughs> my
0: experience of my relationship with my parents growing up versus now, I think I'm going to completely echo what you've both said. That growing up, my parents were working all the time, which immediately kind of makes one barrier. And now, now that I'm a parent, I completely understand why that had to be. But I think there were kind of like many layers with me and my parents' relationship. Again, being the eldest child, being a girl, and the expectations and kind of similar to what you're saying, Amra, about having younger siblings. So I have a brother who is two years younger than me. And then under that, I've got twin brothers who are 11 years younger than me. So this big difference. And with my immediately young brother, I had like this ally who got to be my friend. And then... When I got to secondary school and then had these little brothers who were kind of following behind, like, yeah, you take on this, not just big sister role, but a kind of a second mother role. And to have the expectation of kind of, you know, you must do your studies, but you must help. And that was really hard. That was really hard growing up. and. Unlike both of you who had the opportunity to kind of like speak to both your parents kind of like in in, in their mother tongues, I didn't have that with my parents. So I always felt there was just like this part of them that I couldn't speak to because I couldn't talk to them in Tagalog. And I found that really, really, really hard. Like, not, you know, not in terms of because I couldn't, you know, because I couldn't talk at functions and stuff, but like I couldn't talk to my parents in a way that meant something to them and having my own child now I couldn't imagine not being able to speak to Toby like say in English <laughs> and 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 him have another country's language you know so I think for them and again when I spoke to my mum recently she was just like oh you know I I wish I hadn't listened to that health visitor and you know and it says it's testing me to her because she thought that she was being told the right thing at that time and she wanted her children to integrate and I did but at the detriment of not having that connection to my heritage and you know by extension to them so yeah it was hard it was kind of like you said it was that do as I say and not as I do even kind of like getting through school and going to university like I really had to negotiate to go to university because they wanted me to go, but I wanted to go if I was going to have the university experience, you know, if I was going to live out, you know, I've, I've, I've supported the family. I've, you know, I've I've helped raise my younger brothers and like, this is my time. Just like, you know echoing my mum's journey she went to college and she you know to to find her own way like I, I wanted that too and I wanted to kind of go further afield again echoing what what happened with my mum when she came over here and they just were not having any of it so we um compromised in that I would stay in London but like, I would get to live out and I remember being this really huge thing whereas you know most families who would want their children to go you know they all I've saved or they all encouraged but I did it all myself you know I worked weekend jobs I applied for UCAS all by myself I did my student loan all by myself even when I got my degree and moving out of house like pretty much after going to university I think that was really hard for my parents as well because for them you know they've always wanted to keep me close and I felt not that like that made me want to go away but it was a bit kind of like too strong a hold and I did move out of home. They were always in my life, but like I just I knew I had to build my own life. And then I met my husband at university, and uh, and then we had a child. And I think it's like you said, Deborah, about going to university with your mum. For them, that was the marshmallow moment. You know, they mm-hmm. were just like something happened. The rose tinted glasses came on, and they were just like, oh, okay, you're the gatekeeper of my grandchild. I will listen to you now and I will be patient. And I have to say, in comparison to how it was growing up and not feeling like I could speak to them, now I feel like I can and that they do listen. The relationship has really, really shifted. And I think part of that is 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 understanding them as individuals, not just looking at them as mum and dads, but, you know, understanding their journeys. And like we say, Arrow with Minari and, and knowing, like, how, how much they struggled to get here. And again, like, I... The struggles that I have with just, you know, raising a child and my husband you know, paying a mortgage to do that and to try and do that in a different country. I just I don't know how they did it. I don't know if I could do it. But like my hats are off to them. And like, I hope, you know, mum and dad, if you're watching, like I am so, so grateful. But yeah, it, it got a while to get to this point. But like, it's nice to know we understand each other now as adults. and we're, I'm, I'm so grateful for all the sacrifices that they did and, and now they're retired and they get to kind of enjoy their lives and they've earned it. And now the struggle is real for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing that I think that has been echoed from all our stories is that there was an expectation of us growing because of our EC heritage. Growing up in this country, we've been able to forge our own paths, and through that, we've been able to show our parents maybe this is what you had thought or you'd hoped but your investment you know it's meant something because we are in a position to choose the lives that we're in right now and you know mum and dad mum we're okay you know we're doing it by ourselves and that's in huge part because you taught us what it is to be a hard worker to triumph over adversity to kind of get through it to make a choice and get through it and and again it's led me to you girls so that's really Mm -hmm. nice too definitely okay so we hope you have enjoyed our very personal topic of family and we hope that it's resonated with you and that there are things that you can empathize with if anything's touched you or if you want to feel comfortable to share anything with us please do get in contact with us on our the Ingrasion gmail account or if there's anything that you feel comfortable to share in the comments please do and um, reach out to us on all our social medias we'll make sure they're down there and um yes thank you so much for giving your time and listening to our stories we have loved sharing them with you so for the next topic of our next episode we are going to be talking about sexuality and what's very exciting for this one is it's going to be another in conversation which means that we're going to have a lovely guest who we will let you know when we post so please do look out again on our socials i'm sure we'll be sending out some questions and some polls and to get your thoughts thank you so much for watching and look out for us on the next one Bye.